Do you truly understand phobias? Welcome, welcome everyone. Welcome to Signposts for Living with Dr. Kirsten Hunter. We've got gorgeous Kristen Cogany. Hello, gorgeous. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. Um, we, everyone, we still dance to that song. It's, we do. We jig. We jig. We do. So today we're talking about phobias. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if you have a phobia. No, I wouldn't say I do. No. Okay, no, I'm disappointed. Not yet. I hoped you would. <laughs> like, that'd be handy for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably don't, I don't wish a phobia on you. No, I don't. I don't have a phobia. Well, that's. Good. I have a fear of things, like <laughs> exercise and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Can't probably claim it as a phobia. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm. No, not quite. Do you know uh, what some of the most common phobias are? Spiders. Mm. Heights. Yep. Flying in a plane. Yep. Absolutely. Deep water. Oh, yes. Maybe I do have a phobia. Oh. I'm not cool. I'm not cool in the ocean and it gets a bit deep. I get very scared. Quite panicky? Mm. Yeah, I don't like it. Need to get out. Would it stop you from doing things? Yes. Right. Maybe I do have a phobia. You might have some form of fear, yeah. Absolutely. But I'm a land lover, so it doesn't. <laughs> it not, isn't a problem not, often. You're not coming scuba diving with me. Possibly not. No. Actually, a lot of people have phobias with um, any sort of creature that can be quite spontaneous in its action. So a lot of people have phobias of frogs. Ah, yes. Mm, Very common. Um, I've had people a lot with grasshoppers and, you know, even butterflies. Wow. Well, yeah, I get that. I don't. I've never had a butterfly come at me. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, anyway, it's but not the butterfly they're scared of. It's a thing, and there's it's something the, flapping coming yeah, at them. Yeah, it's the spontaneity. It's something mm. outside of your control. But um, pho- people can have phobias of all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew one person who had a phobia of styrofoam, and if styrofoam, just having it in the room, um, touching it, hearing it, mm-hmm. big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, some people really absolutely freak out with regard to uh, blackboards. You know, because mm, like, the noise it can make if yeah. someone runs their nails down. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's pep- <gasps> yeah, is the dentist a phobia? I am super scared of the dentist, and it takes a lot to get me there, and my heart is racing. <laughs> a phobia. Okay, let's talk about what is a phobia. Yeah. A phobia is when you have an item or an experience, mm-hmm. and when you have any contact with it or the thought of it, you have a panic response, like panic attack, anxiety mm-hmm. attack response. Oh. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, they can be quite debilitating. You know, as you said, flying, people can be mm. really restricted with what they're doing. Um, uh, and a really, I found one of the most cruel phobias is a phobia of birds. Yes, yes. Mm. And I do know someone, don't know them well, but I do know someone mm. who has a phobia of birds and it is something that's every day mm. you, they have to deal with it. Well, you know, you can't go outside without looking mm. con- yeah, constantly right. unless you lived in a very not environmentally inclined place but mm. you know birds they're around which is good but not mm. for these people mm. yeah um some people will have phobias with regard that o- overlaps with obsessive compulsive disorder okay so they might have a phobia of feces mm-hmm. and so then they're, they're really acutely fearful of, of feces and so therefore toileting is a big fear okay yeah that makes sense yeah yeah i mean honestly if i sat and, and wrote all the phobias I've come across, it would be pages and pages and pages. 
It's yeah, right. incredible. And oh, do you know about my historical phobia? Um, how do I not? No. Really? I don't know. You might say it and I go, oh, yeah, that's right. Milk. What? Milk. Yeah, no, I wasn't aware of that. What are you talking <laughs> about? Yes, I have a phobia. I had, I had a phobia of milk, full-blown phobia of milk. And can I say, in my 22 years of experience clinically, I've never come across one quite so weird as mine. What was the problem with the milk? Yeah, so when I was um, nine, I think, I'm a Brisbane girl and I was at the Echo with my father. My father was a very um, firm character and uh, we were in the petting zoo and they were saying, hey, who wants to milk a cow or something? I don't remember the animal. And I was a little Kirsty saying, yes, because you know me, I've still got that attitude and there I am milking a cow. And then the lady said, I think sarcastically, who would like to drink the milk straight from the udder? And my father said, what a wonderful idea. <laughs> I drank the milk from mm. the udder. I mm. literally just sucked on a cow's Oh, my teeth. goodness. <laughs> you know, there, were, there wasn't much between me and the cow. And anyway, um, it wasn't milk. It was, it, it was like warm mucus. <laughs> Everyone, we just got oh a beautiful, shuttered, beautiful <laughs> crimes there. Yeah, honestly, I'm not kidding. It was like warm mucus. That's so you've just was. given everybody a phobia. <laughs> yeah, and um, and you know, I, I didn't really join the dots, but um, you know, I developed this um, fear of milk because if I if I had milk with me or someone else had it, and if I didn't think it was extremely crisp, cold, mm-hmm. you know, like icy cold. Mm-hmm then my brain would go switch. Mm. It is not, therefore it's warm. Mm. And, and it's then, mucus. Yes. And then mm. I would get this extreme nausea. I would literally go green and I would, my heart would pound, my breathing, I'd be having the panic symptoms and I'd have to leave. So that continued all the way through till I was 24 years old. Do you know why? Because you had babies and you had to get over your phobia. <laughs> I became the milk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I became the cow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I literally had exposure theory, um, therapy, therapy, which was flooding, literally, of milk, and um, yeah, I got over it in a day. But prior to that, (laughs) I know, right? You're just the weirdest person. (laughs) Thank you. But prior to that, I would, every time I went to a coffee shop or a restaurant, Mm. I would literally be scanning the constantly, I mean constantly, Mm. hypervigilant. Mm. You know, hypervigilant if you thought yes. you were suddenly going into depth of water. Yes. <laughs> and um, if if anyone had milk brought to them and they didn't drink it straight away, I would kind of have a countdown in my head. I'd have to stand up and leave. Yeah, no, you had a problem. I did. <laughs> and if I got a drink, I'd have to not even let them put it on the table. I would just scull it. If someone drunk from my drink, I would have to give it to them and leave. One time I was presenting at a, a conference. No kidding. Mm. All of these professionals there... And in they came with a with a, a cup of tea tray at the back of the hall, and it had this tiny little milk jar, and all I could think about was the milk. Not this very high order conversation I was having. It was just so irrational. Wow. So, could you so you you obviously just never digest ingested milk, not in oh, your coffee or anything like that. Yeah. No. 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 I'd have to drink the milk. I'd have to scull it icy cold. So it was yeah. either icy cold, <laughs> or it was panic. Yeah. Anyway, you'd think I would have done therapy on myself. I can't believe I didn't know that. How did that not come out? I even had to leave um, accident emergency where I was working once at Southport because a social worker turned up with a milk drink and I calculated the distance from the car 
I went, right, I'm out of here. <laughs> I, left, I left work. Kirsten, <laughs> that's a problem. Wow. No, but I have to say, she did take a drink, put the lid on it, put it back in her bag and was going to leave it for half the day. <laughs> that's legitimately gross even now. But anyway, there you go, phobia. So I get it. And you know what? I really appreciate my weird phobia. One, because I don't have it now. I'm fine. But two, because now I really get how incredibly mm. crazy we get how mm. completely irrational we get and it's not controllable you can't pull you, you can't just pull yourself together and get past it no no mm. you can't um and what's really important is actually our brain is trying to protect us our brain has decided that something is dangerous mm. and stay away and that's why we have a fear of, sn- of snakes and spiders usually you know heights usually Except that kind of fear has been um, generalised out to things that are not dangerous, mm. usually. Yeah. Mm. And, and so um, what people don't realise is that it's treatable, you know. So when I pick up a frog yes. and I hold it in front of that person who freaks out oh, and I chase that. them with don't the frog, I'm, that's not good, is it? No, I'm being really cruel. <laughs> very, very cruel. That's just punishment. Okay, I'll yeah. stop that. Actually, that's how a lot of people get phobias. A lot of people say, you know, I um, I was fine, and then my brothers put um, grasshoppers in my hair. <laughs> you know, and it, and it come. It usually comes from one event where you mm. you felt extremely out of control and you panicked. <coughs> mm. Yeah, it's quite interesting. So when um, and and so basically, we need to understand that the body is responding with a sympathetic nervous system. So that's mm-hmm. fight, flight, faint, freeze, and we're absolutely saying, get away from it. This is going to kill you or it's very dangerous in your eyes. Mm. And um, and our wiring is just not rational at all. So, yeah. So There do, you go. I know, right? Phobias are fascinating and cruel and common, extremely common. Mm. Yeah. I often come across phobias, not that that's why people come to see me, but while we're at it, they're like, oh, no, I can't actually do that because I have this phobia. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Wow, and and it's interesting how you said it, it sometimes crosses over with um, OCD. Yeah, that mm. was that that really um, resonates with me with um, one of my kids, right? Yeah, mm, who had a problem with um, had to use their cutlery, could really? not use anybody else's cutlery, couldn't use even our other cutlery in the drawer that was clean. So if we went away on holidays, we had to take their cutlery with us. Really? Because um, they'd been told when they were little at kindy or somewhere like that, they'd been given a lesson on germs. <laughs> Thank and you, kindy. And somebody probably said, don't share your spoon with somebody. And <laughs> yeah, the their little with, brain just took that in. The and kid with a snotty nose next to you. Yeah, and, um, yeah it, and it lasted for a very long time. It was a very big deal. Wow, yep, that's a phobia. Hmm. Yeah, th- there you go. They're very common and it's very easy to create them. Yeah, so when we're going to treat them, there's three ways we, we treat them. Mm-hmm. First one is psychoeducation. Mm-hmm. So really for people to understand why their body reacts the way they do and for them to get really used to, very um, confident with exactly what their pattern is because everyone's a bit different. Mm-hmm. Two, um, there's well, there's two and three. You can either do exposure therapy, which is gradual exposure, which is quite humane, or you do flooding which is when you breastfeed your child and you have a fear of milk. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. So flooding is when you go all the way to your worst-case scenario mm-hmm. and um, you just, you know, it's that person with a fear of heights but they find themselves at, you know, at a very 
high place, obviously, and they just stay there. And so you have to stay at your worst fear, basically, and what happens is that you absolutely peek into panic, but panic can't kill you, it's just cruel. And um, there's a point where the body gets exhausted, and it's called extinction, and then your body goes, oh, I haven't died. I'm okay. And then we reprogram, and then we overcome our phobia. Most people don't do that because why would you go and put yourself in a position <laughs> mm. to be uh, flooded with the thing that you're avoiding? So when you're getting flooded for your milk phobia, were you just drinking copious amounts of milk or sitting with it around you or did they put you in a bath of it? Or Are you actually asking about what happened to me? Yeah. No, no, no. I just had a baby and my oh. I, I was producing warm well, I thought milk. You, I thought you meant that you went to, no. to somebody before you had the baby so. no, no sorry no I wasn't bright enough to realize this would happen <laughs> that's the other thought that just went through my brain didn't you work that out that that was going to be an issue <laughs> I, didn't. I just assumed you had and dealt with it before it became one no not a thought not a thought which was good because I didn't get anxious about it happening but yeah so you're not you're not as smart as I thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you that <laughs> I also had placenta brain. Come on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, no. You still said at some point <laughs> in that nine months, that should have crossed your mind. It didn't. Not once. Mm, pretty okay. funny. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I literally was the warm milk and I um, I had literally, I was flooding myself. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Now I get it. <laughs> Got a visual there. Mm. Yeah. So, Poor lock. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I thank him every day. But... Um, <laughs> And then the other one, the other approach is what we actually do, which is gradual exposure. So we say, okay, um, these are, if you think of all the various steps leading up to the worst case scenario, um, let's put them in order and let's do the easiest one first. And so you go and you have exposure to that and you have to stay with it. You're not allowed to get distracted. And the body, you know, you get stressed and then when you calm down and you're quite bored, then you're done. And then you go back again and if you don't have a reaction, then you've graduated and then you go to the next step and next, next, next. And what's fascinating is that a lot of them actually dissolve by themselves because it has a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. So you might think there's 10 steps, but in truth you only have to do six. Because Mm -hmm. four have just, you've conquered them without, you know, having to put in that effort you thought you had to. Mm. So anyway, so that's gradual exposure. And um, Mm. you can do that by yourself if you really want to. Um, But obviously psychologists are supposedly brilliant at that and um, you can go along and get some help. (laughs) I say that because, you know, um, you have to have a very trusting relationship to do exposure therapy and, you know, so you've got to find a psychologist you really really click with. That's probably the first point. Mm. So there you go, darling. That's very interesting. It is, isn't it? I'm glad we talked about it. That <laughs> was fun. And you learned more about me and yeah, no. all, all wow. different parts of me. I know that you're – I didn't think you had a weakness, but you do. I have many weaknesses. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have many weaknesses. Oh, that's right. Now I've got to read this thing. Thank okay. you. Thank you. <clears throat> Kirsten Hunter, author.com is Kirsten's webpage. Uh, Facebook and Instagram handles are Kirsten Hunter Author. Twitter at Kirsten Hunter AU. YouTube channel Psych in Your Car. And this, of course, is Signposts for Living with Dr. Kirsten Hunter. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.